It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. We had a busy week in the last week. There's a lot going on. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, somebody retiring? Somebody retiring. And, and you know what? The thing is, is that this is one of those things that I think uh, Ohio State fans, people who follow Ohio State athletics, whatever you feel about Gene Smith, you probably have a fairly strong opinion on the guy. And I think that's partly... Uh, that's mostly due to the fact that this guy has had such an outsized impact on Ohio State sports in a way that a lot of other college athletic directors you don't typically have unless they're being involved in some kind of scandal, which, you know, you could argue that he's definitely had his experience with those things as well. Um, But I would say that this guy right now is the most powerful athletic director at an individual school in college sports. I think he's been that for several years. I personally think he's excellent at his job and it's interesting to me to see the various reactions from Ohio State fans from the news media all that kind of stuff with news that he is in fact retiring he says that he will be stepping down here um a very specific date June 30th 2024 right before the Big Ten super blows up right you get a huge expansion um and basically he said that he spoke with his wife it's been almost 40 years. Let's step down. Um, he's going to be obviously heavily involved with, uh, you know, whoever is going to be replacing him and, and figuring out who that person's going to be and transitioning them. And I think that's part of why, you know, he's giving like on a whole year, you know, runway to get up to that. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, during this press conference, uh, someone asked if you'd like to be the commissioner of college football and Gene Smith pointed his wife who said, hell no. Um, so yeah, that was know, the best moment. Yeah, that was really great. And, and it's pretty clear that I think that he's ready to, uh, to enjoy his, his family and have a good time and you know, go to all the, uh, the country concerts that he wants, uh, and, and come back, back for a press conference every now and then. He said yeah. too. And I'm sure he'll still be heavily involved in the university, but the point is, is that this is a guy, if you look at the totality of his career, an unbelievable impact on Ohio state athletics, uh, in so many different ways. And I don't know, man. I mean, we can do the whole legacy thing when he finally ends up leaving. But um, I think Ohio State's going to have maybe not some difficulty in choosing who his successor is because I'm sure they've got, and we'll talk about this, they've got a number of people they're probably already thinking about. But to fill those shoes is going to be difficult, I think. It will be. Um, a lot of his parting comments uh, that I believe Dan Hope rounded up they, uh, he, he has unfortunately very rare leadership characteristics that are important for succeeding in a role like that when you're anointed with the power of, I, I, I won't say I agree or disagree with your take that he's the most powerful athletic director in college athletics, I think you'd be hard pressed to argue for someone else, just given the the reach that Ohio State has in that department, for lack of a better word, across the entire country. Um, but he he has a, a very very good ability to acknowledge a variety of perspectives when trying to find an, a solution to a problem that affects many different camps of people with different interests relative to the same problem. 
he he's very good at finding solutions that work for everybody tied to the different matters going on campus and uh you know the different parts of Ohio that are affected by the university so i i commend him very heavily for that because you know athletics are something that are so intrinsic to the culture at this school and in the state and he he's someone that has shouldered that responsibility always with the acknowledgement that he needs to be representing not just what he thinks are his own interests or the interests of the board or the interests of his employees or the interests of the student body or the interests of the alumni or the interests of the donors. There's a lot of different people that this man has to keep happy. And I think over the course of his tenure, he's done a very good job of trying to do what is ultimately going to be healthy for keeping everybody happy and interested and motivated. That's a very, very difficult thing to do consistently in a leadership position like that. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I would hope that Ohio State fans look at the full scope of his work as athletic director through tumultuous times and great successes and look at that as this is someone that has helped guide this university ultimately to a even greater place of strength than it was in when he first occupied the role and when he was going through or helping the university navigate difficult times such as Tattoo Gate, which even he acknowledged as probably the most difficult moment in his career. And I have other things I can criticize about him, but I think relative to what you just said and clearly being a big Gene fan, it's important that we set the groundwork as that in terms of that should something that is something that should be indisputable among Ohio State fans when talking about Gene Smith. Give him his roses now before he leaves and uh, give him the respect that he deserves. Well, and I think the larger issue, I mean, if you look at this as a job, you know, being Ohio State's athletic director, you've got 33 varsity sports that you've got to, to manage, right? Like 30, I think it's 33, right? I, I'm pretty sure it's 33 varsity sports that they, they sponsor. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's It's one of the most in the entire country. You're dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of like budgeting. Um, you're you're leaning super hard on two, basically two programs to finance all of the other dozens that you're trying to figure out how that's going to work. Um, that's not an easy job. That's an incredibly difficult job. And when you have to hire and fire and and do all these things with really high profile teams all the way down to teams that nobody knows exists. And, and keep everybody, as you said, kind of on the same page to be able to juggle all those different personalities. That is an incredibly difficult job. And it's a really, 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 really difficult job. And it requires somebody who has to be kind of like the Dwight Eisenhower, right, of this whole thing where you have the kind of personality that you can handle all of these huge egos and a gigantic budget and thousands of people, right, on staff and, and keep everybody in line. And that is not an easy thing to do. Uh, to have the right temperament, to have the kind of the intelligence, the connections, all that stuff, uh, for him to have been able to to do this for for damn near twenty years is is pretty impressive. And considering the change that not just Ohio State but the Big Ten and college sports at large has gone through since two thousand five when he hopped on, 
all the way to the present day. That is wild. That is absolutely wild to see. So I think there are legitimate criticisms people can have of Gene Smith. I'm not out here trying to just say that like this guy's perfect and you know he's done everything you know 100 correct because I don't think that's the truth. But I also think that this is a one of the most difficult jobs in all of college athletics, and he's done a pretty exemplary job for most of that time. Um, and particularly, like again, you know, the way like you know Urban Meyer's tenure ended was not good. However getting him on board in the first place was a huge coup and, and people were really, you know, excited about that. Um, navigating that model, leaving, you know, making sure that Ryan day was in place and, and would, you know, stick around at Ohio state. Like these are, these are not insignificant things. And it's not just that that impacts one or two programs. That's something that impacts all of the other programs. Cause if you make a mistake, right. If that apple cart gets upset at some point during those, you know, years of, you know, problems and tumultuousness and all that kind of stuff. If that affects the bottom line for Ohio state sports, if they're not bringing in $225 million in revenue, then everybody's screwed. So it is, it's a lot of pressure. It's a very difficult job. And uh, I don't envy the guy who's got to, you know, the person who's got to step in his shoes because it's, it's, it could be really, it could be another really difficult tumultuous few years as the Big Ten expands, as television contracts and broadcasting rights have to get renegotiated, all that kind of stuff, uh, it's not going to stop. He's not leaving this position in a place where, you know, it's just smooth sailing for the next 10 years. I, I, he, he doesn't view it that way. He actually directly said part of the reason I feel comfortable stepping down right now is because I think the university is in a good position to empower a successor that views the change that is happening in this moment and is ready to embrace it head on right. i think that's a very good way of like looking at it that's a good and way that's of looking his own, at it that's that his own anywhere that, well that's his own anything. perspective yeah. we're just two people shooting it on the dubcast right. that's the actual athletic director who's saying right. hey you should have this perspective when choosing the guy that's going to do the job that i've done for over the last decade so i I value that perspective, and I it it is easier said than done. I will say that. Um, another thing that I think is interesting is that he he did say that Tattoo Gate was definitively the most challenging uh, thing that he dealt with in his time as athletic director, and he even referenced Urban the Urban Meyer dismount right. and you know everything that came with Zach Smith in that component. Uh, as not as challenging as Dubgate. So I think that is relative to where we are now in college football. I think that it's interesting that he went out of his way to like highlight that in his departing comments. Um, it's funny that you would compare him to Eisenhower because <laughs> I believe before Eisenhower defeated Hitler, it was Jesse Owens that defeated That's Hitler, right. was right. it not? That's a yes. funny Ohio State athletics parallel right there for the historian <laughs> Johnny Dubs. Um, I appreciate you bringing that in. Thank you. <laughs> I always will value a, a good historical reference. But yeah, man, like, I, I mean, you're right. It, I think from his perspective, I think he's done all that he can do, right? Especially to where Ohio State is at and the current college football landscape. They're in a pretty sweet position, right? They're in the bird dog seat right now because they don't – they don't really answer to anybody. You know what I mean? Like Ohio state isn't in a situation like even a huge, huge brand 
like Florida State, which is in a huge amount of flux right now. Even Clemson, right, is having to figure out like Notre Dame whispering behind people's backs about how to integrate Stanford into the ACC and all this other crap. Ohio State doesn't worry about any of that. Ohio State basically gets to call all their shots and say, all right, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is how it's going to be. Um, that's a pretty enviable position to be in. And I think Gene Smith is a big part of the reason why Ohio State is in that position. Um, Do you remember the video that they produced when Ryan Day was named head coach of Urban Meyer, like creating an Ohio State dynasty in NCAA football? I don't remember that. Literally, he literally hands the sticks to Ryan Day. And says it's your turn now. That is effectively the same thing that Gene Smith is going to do with his successor. He has built this empire, his dynasty, and he's going to hand the sticks off. It's the same thing. So that's that's the way that I look at it is he feels that he's in a comfortable position. And this is part of the reason why they it wasn't just the Zach Smith stuff. It was like Urban, you had your success, you haven't lost to Michigan. Go out now while you're still a hero and go open your steakhouse and and reap all the <laughs> benefits of that before you get in trouble with the Jaguars. That's right. And and then you, you'll at least go out a hero for a little bit, which he did. It would have is I think that was a more graceful exit than what he probably would have had otherwise. And it ended up it ended up letting Ohio State move on from that in a healthy way to a coach that I think most fans with a healthy perspective are very satisfied. Well, and so credit to Jake Smith for managing that. Here's the other thing. I mean, finding people who can also like handle just the Ohio Stateness of being a coach at Ohio State and a high profile position, that's not easy to find that person. And oh, Dave's like the inverse of oh my god, in terms of like level headedness. (laughs) Ryan Day, I mean. I've never met Ryan Day in person. I've heard a lot of things about Ryan Day, and he seems like a very me. pleasant, smiling, bearded man. He, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a football coach through and through. I mean, he's 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 a serious dude. But like, from what I know about Ryan Day, and I feel like I know a decent amount, maybe more than most people, uh, he has got the exactly the kind of temperament that you need uh, to be in this kind of position, and that for sure. And that's the same, even, you know, even with a guy who's been kind of disappointed the past couple of years, like Holtman, like these are not, these are not dummies. These are not people who, who didn't know what they were getting themselves into. And again, to, to prepare yourself for a job like that, where you're in the public eye, where you have those huge expectations, you need to have a good relationship with your athletic director. And furthermore, and maybe this kind of wraps this conversation up on Gene Smith for now, you can look at the example the negative example that a lot of other high high profile schools and uh, athletic departments have had where they've just fallen apart because there's been such a crappy relationship between the coaches, between the athletic department and between the boosters and the fans that they have perpetually underachieved in ways that they shouldn't given the resources that they have. And I'm obviously referring to Texas in this case, but you could name a lot of other schools and universities that have the same issues where you have the football coach and the boosters and the AD and the fan. Nobody's on the same page. Everybody's mad at each other. And Ohio state things are pretty hunky dory. And that's, that's not guaranteed. Like we kind of accept that and we go, Oh, well, you know, Ohio state is Ohio state. Everybody will fall in line. It's the brand. No, you got to have people in charge 
who are able to make that happen. And the copacetic uh, atmosphere around, uh, you know, the football program and the athletic department in general is in doing no small part to Gene Smith being really freaking good at his job. Uh, think of all the horrible, ridiculous drama that you see at a place that's a formerly a blue blood, like Tennessee or Texas or Miami, like all or of these Michigan places. or even Michigan, right? On a regular basis, you again, despite Ohio State scandals, you don't see that kind of backbiting. You don't see that kind of internal bickering. It's this is the guy who's in charge, who sets the standard, and then this is how we're going to go forward. And that's Gene Smith. So you don't know what you got until it's gone. And, and I hope that Ohio State doesn't have to endure a scandal or a problem or something like that where you don't have that kind of strong guiding hand to keep everybody in line. Um, but a couple of people who might be coming down the pike – thing is gene smith's been in athletic administration for a long time that means he's got a lot of people uh who might be stepping up uh some people have said like martin jarman out at uh, ucla or heather like well, wait johnny hold on because yeah. before we close the book on gene smith yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let you let your your golden guy weasel out of his his shortcomings, his the thing. Oh, I please you, go ahead. I, go ahead. I yeah, because listen, you 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 tried to let him get away with it. I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to let you squeeze out of this. It's funny that you tried to set the narrative as he's. Oh, he he does a good job I with sh- selecting I tried to shut the door these. And you stuck your foot in the jam. That- Right, right. Oh no, I'm not letting him get away with that. I have many grievances with this man. Well, I'm not going to get into all of them. This isn't going to be, you know, this ain't Festivus over here on the Dubcast or anything. But it does need to be said because you you said like talent evaluation in terms of like selecting people that are ready and equipped for the moment. It's like they did a good job with empowering day relative to Urban Meyer. Although that was kind of a a layup, I think. Uh, well, I, you already just, had the three game, you know, like right. review, and you kind of already knew the guy was, you know, there to. Yeah, to I, I hesitate to use the word groomed because that's kind of a charged term, but sure. it, it's they they did a good job setting up the successor in that case. Right. They set the it, table they, for him and, and right. kind of knew that he could handle that job. Right. So they knew that they they had a good person waiting in the wings in the event that they needed to depart from right. Urban. In terms of like more just raw like hiring talent evaluation. They got kind of lucky with the basketball coach because they did get Holtman. But yep. as we were talking about pre-show and you alluded to, a lot of the other people that they were considering <laughs> for that job did not turn and, out so great. And Holtman was chief, not the first choice either. Chief among them was a man that I despised that I had to write about at length while <laughs> looking at the Chicago right, Bulls in great this. detail. You, have, you, you were intimately – uh understanding of this this particular oh my god when i heard fred fred hoiberg is (laughs) the 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 top candidate and thankfully i don't think he was a top candidate just ended up being a rumor but he was the biggest name floated to replace that mata and there was a link to gene smith and when I, i oh my gosh that the horror show that that set off, it's like I was getting like Vietnam-like flashbacks to the Bulls like only years after. Like, you see, I was at the game when Clay Thompson broke the three-pointer record in three quarters. 
and then sat on the bench. He hit 14 threes on Fred Hoiberg's Chicago Bulls defense. It was 92 to 58 at the half. At the half. I like how this, this man. <laughs> this man was going to be head coach of the Buckeyes. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Gene Smith was going to give that guy an audience for for this job? No, no, sir. No, <laughs> I I would not stomach that. So I I'm grateful for everything that he did, but just in terms of like filling important jobs, that was something that when that happened, I was like, this guy's kind of on borrowed time from my perspective because sure. I'm grateful that Holtman has worked out the way that he did because he's certainly better than not just. Hoiberg, but the other uh, candidates that were being floated. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at like Archie Miller. I mean, yeah, it was. So the thing is, though, I mean, you do have to look at some of the higher, like a guy like Tom Ryan, for example, wrestling. I got to say, like, I don't think anybody really cared that much. I mean, some people did, obviously. I mean, wrestling's huge in Ohio, but Tom Ryan has elevated that program in a way that it had not been um, up until that point. And you know, to be able to to make a non-revenue sport like that, even with like, you know, women's basketball, right? To find people who can take those sports that are usually niche sports and then be able to get them to a point where they're making like dedicated arenas for them. That's a big deal. Like that means something. Um, now, with that said, when people are also like criticizing and say, OK, well, 2012, you know, like that. The way that was handled, the way that you know you didn't take a postseason ban, you could have been in there for the national championship and the undefeated season. I think that I think if you're in his shoes, I think if you're in uh, Gene Smith's shoes, you take the sure thing rather than saying like, "Hey, what if we go undefeated next year?" I don't think anybody's actually thinking that in like May of 2011. But um, it's still, I think, a valid criticism, right? Like we got this new guy. You know, you're going after Urban Meyer. Uh, maybe maybe roll the dice on there. So I, I think you could argue that sometimes maybe he was a little too conservative or, or not necessarily willing to think outside the box for certain things. But for the most part, I mean, when you're trying to steer this gigantic ship that is the Ohio State Athletic Department with, again, a budget of hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, all of these people and athletes, it's, it's a huge deal. Uh, you're going to make mistakes sometimes. But I think on the whole, what he's done is, is pretty impressive. Now, well, no, go ahead. And that, that sets up what I think the grander criticism is that I wanted to get your perspective on. Okay. Because I think what most Ohio State fans, the greatest grievance they have against him is how that conservative approach has impacted the postseason trajectory of Ohio State's football team. Um, <laughs> and because, I know you're yeah. Right. So I, like, I think that that conservative mentality is important for what I referenced at the beginning of the show in terms of making a lot of different parties happy. Right. And that includes the other members on the college football playoff committee. Sure. Unfortunately. So I, I do think that there is some valid criticism just in terms of him not being a strong enough advocate in that room when he's been empowered with that authority, because there have been times where he's been in that room where for whether it's him wanting to avoid a perception of bias or whatever else, Ohio state just seems like it hasn't had as strong of a voice in those discussions as it should given the brand that it represents. I think that that's a valid criticism. I don't know how strong it is or in terms of resonating with the truth, 
But in terms of you being a staunch defender, I'm curious if you think that's a valid way of thinking about this. Because I think that's why a lot of people that are glad to see him go are are feeling you know vindicated in their feelings. I think there was one season where Ohio State probably should have been in the playoff and they weren't. Um, I think there was one season where they were in the playoff and they probably shouldn't have been. And that's here's fair. the deal, right? In the playoff era, right, since since 2014, Ohio State's won it once. Uh, they've been in it five times. The only other teams that have been in more often than that are Clemson and Alabama. Clemson's won it twice. Alabama's won it three times. What I'm saying is, is that I think Ohio State has gotten their shot. <laughs> I I understand where you want as an Ohio State fan for you know them to be in the playoff every single year. Um, I just wrote an article about uh, about uh, 2018, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, that should have been you know should have should have been in that playoff." That was not a great Ohio State team. <laughs> they went 13 and one, which is awesome. They won the the Rose Bowl that year. Uh, they basically just said. Dwayne Haskins throw for, uh, you know, 5,000 yards, and let's see what happens. Like, they got annihilated at Purdue that year. They almost lost to Maryland. Uh, they had to pull that one off in overtime. Um, I guess you could make the argument uh, at that point because they did destroy Michigan uh, and then won the, the Big Ten championship. But anyway, my point is is that I, Ohio State has had its shot in the postseason, the college, college football era. I, I would love to see them – or the playoff era. I'd love to see them with – you know, at least one more national championship. But, uh, yeah, I I don't think that's really valid because, I mean, you look at the other teams that – here's the thing. There's only, like – I'm looking at the stats right now. It's Alabama with seven, Clemson with six, Ohio State with five, Oklahoma with four. They haven't been in it since 2019 season. Uh, Georgia with three, and then it's, like, Notre Dame and Michigan twice, and then a bunch of teams have been in it once. So – point is Ohio State is pretty well ahead of every other major football program in that sense um I just I I I don't see it I don't see that criticism okay that's no I think that's fair and that again you you giving that perspective is important uh because it's easy to you know get narrowed in on like the times where oh we Ohio State should have gotten in and Alabama got in instead of Ohio State should they have had a stronger voice in the room? And I think it's important for you to broaden that and say, listen, they've made it this many times. I do think in that case, given how strong the Michigan and the Big Ten championship results were, it's like, did we really just see that team not get in? I'm also a little bit salty that even though it's easy to discount that that JT Barrett team that got shellacked by Iowa, <laughs> I was hoping that they would have a little bit more consideration than sure. they really got appropriately. So I that point, it had been a little bit salty for me just relative to how they had been considered in the postseason. Later, but moving on from that, they've clearly had stronger advocacy in the era under Ryan Day and things have certainly been a oh, yeah. bit better. They've played in at least one national championship since uh the time where we would have had the grievances. All right. So real quick, I do want to get into the uh the potential successors here for Gene Smith. He's been around for a long time uh and obviously has created this really kind of impressive um you know tree that this group of people that he's kind of helped bring up and uh pat Shun over there at wazoo i think is probably most people's inside uh you know 
the person who's got the the inside track on on getting this job next, mostly just because he's so well respected where he's at. He's done a great job um, with limited resources. He's he's a voice that I think a lot of people respect, and of course, he's got really strong ties to Ohio State. Um, you know. It, it's hard to call something a year in advance. I'm not going to come out here and say like, oh yeah, it's definitely going to be Pat. That's he's the next guy. But, and I'm sure they'll go through all the, you know, the things that they're required to do in terms of like interviews, and, you know, making sure everything's publicly announced and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it'll definitely be nice to get a familiar face back uh, and, and someone who knows, um, you know, how the, the administrative side at Ohio state works. And then, you know, there's other people too, uh, you know, who have been mentioned, who might be able to um, uh, fill that that role because of their familiarity with the university. But we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next year or so. It could be interesting. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about real quick before we get to ask us anything, just a few camp items. So I so Ryan Day was interviewed talking about like how people were doing, you know, where they're at in camp, really likes the maturity of everybody, although I think that's I, I believe him and I kind of don't. It's just one of those coach speak things where you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that sure. Everybody's super mature. Everybody's on board, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's talented. Well, I, I made the joke that he, Day's kind of the coach that is at the end of every season, you know, when they're raising the Big Ten championship <laughs> right. trophy. He's like, this is the best group of guys best I've ever Best group of guys I've ever worked with. Best Which is something that Urban kind of did too, so right. it makes sense that that behavior has been passed right. down. But. With that said, though, I mean, when he says that specifically that they're mature, I, I think he, this year, if you look at the roster and you look at the guys who have experience, um, you have some, like, legit, like, professional guys. And when I say that, I don't mean, like, they're going to be great. Like Kate Stover. Yeah, well, but but seriously, like people who comport themselves. Just ask Ramsey. Yeah, I know. Yeah, can't. Yeah, huge Kate Stover fan. Um, but the the leadership and the quality of like just treating things professionally is that's something that can't be um, underestimated in terms of value. And when you've got a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., who, I mean, God, like I said this in Slack today, but just every interview that he gives is just the most polished thing you've ever heard in your entire life. It's insightful. He's making, you know, direct um, answers that are actually in depth about the guys that he's playing with and what he likes about them and, you know, what he respects and all this stuff. Those are the kind of leaders that you want on your football team. And I think that's, you know, when Ryan Day says something like this is a mature team, I think that's what's being reflected. The other thing that I thought was interesting was he was talking about the quarterback competition between McCord and Brown. And he said, quote, at times you walk off the field and you say, okay, that's our guy. Then you come off the next day and say, all right, that's our guy, referring to the other player. So uh, what you have to do is continually get reps, then come up for air, and then kind of sort through it all. Which that quote makes it seem like it's up for grabs. It's anybody's competition. And then he said, uh, we'll probably have it sorted out in the next week. <laughs> so it's like, to me, I feel I like that. he's got a pretty good handle on who he wants to be uh, starting at quarterback. Um, and this again is just me reading tea leaves. I don't have any special insight into this whatsoever, but if you've got an idea, like if it's, it's one guy, the next practice and blah, blah, you know, they're kind of going back and forth, but then you have it wrapped up the next week. That suggests to me that the known quantity is the guy who's probably going to be the, the dude. So for me, that's, that's Kyle McCord's job to lose at this point. That sounds to me like he's going to be the, uh, the presumptive starter here uh, as we approach the season. I, I love the way that they handled this because we were 
uh, cautiously concerned when the it seemed a little bit open ended in terms of how long this was going to drag out. They were just kind of like, "Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out when we figure it out." You know, he he was like, "I don't care if it goes into the season." That 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 was never the plan. Now, the fact that they're going out of their way this early to say that they know this is their guy, yeah. they were probably just saying that to admit to make the other teams think like, oh, they oh, yeah, they right. don't know they don't know what they're doing out there in Columbus. You know, right. this this is our time. It's right for the pin. Then a week later, Dave's like, oh no, it's it's, it's, McCord. it's McCord. right? It's exactly. <laughs> no, 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 that, and and and. I mean, I don't see the utility in doing that, but college football teams and football teams in general, it's do that 40 all chess. The time. They do that all the time, and it's so weird. And it's, but yeah, it's a huge part of the. the There's game. another brain under that beard of days. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, I think it's probably his to lose, but we'll see how that goes. Um, and, you know, there's still a decent amount of time here uh, as you lead up into the season, obviously. Still got to figure out a bunch of different, you know, um, positions, particularly how the offensive line is going to shake out, you know, who's going to be centers and left tackle, all that kind of stuff. Where guys are playing on defense, right? Like you've got a lot of talent. You got to figure out exactly, you know, what positions specifically they're going to be. Who's going to be like the bandit position, you know, strong, you know, all that, you know, who's, who's going to be like, you know, lining up strong side, weak side, all that kind of stuff needs to be hashed out. Um, I am less worried about that just because I want to see those guys on the field. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the quarterback uh, decision is going to be obviously the biggest. Well, I I will say, you know, I know I sandbagged that maturity comment, but one of the things that made me optimistic that the defense was going to respond very positively to Knowles in his first season was you had a ton of returning talent on the defense last year. Yeah. I, I, I think you had probably all but two of the returning starters, if I'm correct. I think so. Um, so I, I figured with that maturity, that was going to be the kind of group that would respond well to a new system and being appropriately coached for perhaps the first time in their careers in college. Uh, I thought they're going to respond well to having – an authority figure that can educate them and coach them up and sternly communicate to them what they need to talk about. And someone that has earned respect in other circles beyond Ohio state and the big 10 in terms of their defensive knowledge and prowess. We saw how incredibly well they responded short of the, the problem with giving up big plays that was ultimately the reason they lost the Michigan game. But even so much of that can be addressed in terms of schematics with, you know, blitzing on oh, sure, yeah. obvious passing downs and whatnot. That's more of the decision making of the coordinators and the coaches than, you know, the players who have been effectively positioned to fail. Otherwise, outside of those situations where the big plays have been given up because of that, and obviously you have other instances where, you know, some guys just kind of fall over, like what happened in the Georgia game. Outside of those big plays, you have a unit that executed in ways that Ohio State fans were not used to seeing in uh, from the defense in a lot of recent seasons. And it was it was a very nice thing to see. 
And I think the big reason you saw that is because you had that mature unit that was ready to capitalize on the moment. I think you're going to see a similar effect with the offense this season because you have so many players that have grown up for multiple years in this system now and are now ready to go out and deploy what they have. I think that's going to create a a nice talent cradle for whoever ends up winning the quarterback job to thrive in. I think it's going to allow whoever ends up filling in the gaps on the offensive line to be successful alongside their comrades. And I think that that's going to ultimately be where you see the maturity of this team shine is in how it lets the younger, less experienced talent thrive in its system, not only on offense, but also on the defensive side of the ball as we see C.J. Hicks and Sonny Styles get more acclimated uh, into their their greater responsibilities with playing time. So I right. I do look forward to seeing all of that maturity play out this year, even though I was, you know, a bit tongue-in-cheek about that comment hearing it from Day. But I I think you're going to see that take shape very quickly. And it's it's it'll be important to keep in mind how the older guys are helping the younger, inexperienced guys thrive as maybe some of those guys get more attention as the season goes on, just keep in mind who's putting them in a position to succeed, not just from a coaching standpoint, but also their, their teammates. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially at the linebacker position where you've got steel chambers and Tommy, I can, I mean that to have that so solid and, and guys who've been in that you know role for so long at this point, um, that to me is uh that that's significant. That is a huge help, especially going into the season. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. We'll try to make sure that um, you know all your questions are answered relating to the the lead up to it. We see who actually kind of like gets solidified at positions, and you know if we start to see a hint that you know Kyle McCord's the solid start, I will definitely be reporting on that and talking about it and get into it. So. Uh, before we're going to ask us anything, I'm going to remind you that the uh, Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Let's do Ask Us Anything. You can send us questions to ask us anything uh, by just hitting us up at Dubcast at 11warriors.com. Dan, I told you I would answer your question this week, and I went on vacation and also got sick, so I didn't do it. But, <laughs> but, but I just now... I just now forwarded it to the people who will know and be able to answer your question. So we'll get to that ASAP. I promise. I did not forget. We will definitely talk about it. All right, let's do this quick. We do right by Dan's around here at 11 Warriors. That's Always right. Talk. We got to respect. We're big Dan respecters. Um, all right. So this is from our good friend Alvin. We're going to hit these real quick because we got a decent amount this week. This is from good friend Alvin. If you could guest perform at a concert, what song band are you joining? And are you singing, rapping, or playing an instrument? <clears throat> I'm rapping, but I don't know. There's too many fun answers to that. So you answer, and then I'll give something okay. after you've answered. Well, I have no musical talent whatsoever. Um, I do have a couple like bars and stuff memorized. You know, a few few songs memorized. I love the Beastie Boys. I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan. Although, I mean, obviously, you know, that's you know what. Sad, sad for rap fans, particularly of, of rap fans of uh, you know the early to mid '90s, late '80s. Uh, 
Beastie Boys obviously losing a you know significant member of their of their crew. De La Soul incomplete. I mean, there's there's a lot out there. I don't want to say that I can step into those shoes, but if I had to, all right, I would. I I've got one of my favorite. Um, one of my favorite, well, I, I mean, Three Feet High and Rising is one of the greatest rap albums ever made. But the Grind Date is a is an excellent album by De La Soul as well. And I've got the 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 um, the song that gives the album its title. I have that basically memorized, so I think I could jump in. If the BC Boys needed me for Shadrach off of Paul's Boutique, I could do that one too. So I think I'd have to be a rapper. I think I'd I'd. I'd be in a Kanye West concert because I've heard those are a fun time and I he'll cast me in some exotic role. I'd, I'd enjoy doing that. I will not roast you for that. I've already roasted you for it. Just want people <laughs> just want people to remember he's insane. Um, he is now. He wasn't when... That's true. Was, yeah, if you go back to when like... When he was pumping out bangers, he was right. not. Yeah, you go back in time to the My Beautiful Dark or whatever it is that would be pretty sick uh all right kevin wants to know which new team will been will win a big 10 football title first or basketball basketball i think it's ucla which new team yeah so the team football or basketball well in both so in football which one will win a title first and basketball which one will win a title i think basketball is ucla i'm gonna say oregon and football well, to get both, I'll say Oregon. Okay. Um, yeah, I think – well, Oregon and football, I would absolutely agree with that. They're, uh, they're, Washington they've, they've was pumped up their best. Bas- well, they pumped up their basketball program in recent seasons too. That's why I, I say that. Is, well, it doesn't so have to be – they don't have to win both. It's just like team. who would win it first in football and then who would oh, win it Oh, okay. All right. I thought it was for both of them. Yeah. For football, <clears throat> I – Probably USC basketball. I can see why you'd say UCLA. Um, I'd probably say that too. Yeah, football. I mean, I don't know. USC is probably a good choice on that. Um, I don't know. I'm for whatever reason, I'm just not sold on Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. I don't really know why. But I, for some reason, I would think Oregon would have a better shot of winning both of those before USC gets football and basketball, or UCLA does the same thing. <laughs> USC's really interesting. I mean, you know, they've they've got a really. I mean, their their, their basketball program is really you know. Picking up some steam. Well, they've been trying to do bought and paid for basketball since OJ Mayo, right. and they haven't been able to figure it out. So right. I'm not optimistic that they're going to figure it out in the NIL. No, no, no. But that's, that's my point too. Like it's weird because they do have all those resources, and they have been trying to like you know just get the biggest names. And it, you're right, it just not been. It just has not all come together for them. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think UCLA. I think Cronin is. <laughs> He really is the embodiment of like a West Sider, like a Cincinnati man. I mean, it's really funny. Like he's just an angry, angry little man. And um, I think you like him a lot. I do. And it's sad because two episodes in a row, you've had a smile on your face talking about him because he's just the he's just the epitome of like an angry Cincinnati dude. And it's hilarious because I know like 500 guys like him and (laughs) he's very good at his job. He's an excellent basketball coach. And I, I think he will. 
you will probably be the first of the new uh, additions to win a, a Big Ten title. Um, basketball or football is a little harder to predict, I think, just because in part it's going to be a while, and it's you know you really got to get past some really tough football programs if you want to win a Big Ten championship. So I think that'll be a little harder for the new additions to accomplish. Uh, this is from Nate. Figured you'd be talking about the Gene Smith news, so I had a question. If you were made AD, what would be your goals and objectives starting in 2024 uh, besides bringing back the Mirror Lake jump? Refilling Mirror Lake, that's number one. No, my actually my number one goal for the Ohio State administration is to lower the bar for snow days because the, the standard that <laughs> President that Drizzy Smith Drake saying that whatsoever. Well, it wasn't. It was not Gene Smith's fault. It's it's former President Drizzy Drake's fault. He was the one that made snow days like he applied the Minnesota standard, which is just an impossible thing for the rest of the country to adhere to. So like. If it's not 20 inches of snow and, you know, raining sideways outside, you've got to go to class. And I would appreciate that. Um, Um, So I would use my AD powers to, you know, try to get that implemented. Otherwise, I'm getting a Waffle House built at Ohio State. (laughs) I don't – I got to tell you, man, I don't know that the athletic director at Ohio State has say in any of that but I appreciate your gumption. He, he he can do it. He won't admit he has the authority, but if he really wanted it, he could put one in there. You know what? Here, well, $250 million budget is a two. They got alcohol. They got Wi-Fi. They can get a Waffle House in there. <laughs> Just put it in Ohio Stadium. And actually, that would probably be my number one thing is if they're not going to build a new stadium, which they're not, and I know they're not, uh, I – I want to see some significant uh, renovations slash upgrades uh, to the shoe. Um, and, and I've got some ideas that I've, you know. The seating, I, for sure. Yeah, not just seating, just quality of life things to make it so that it's not like a miserable, you know, like Soviet-style wind tunnel when you're trying to, like, get through the concourse to your seat. I mean, there's just got to be a better way to, to make it, like, more inviting to visitors. Um, I understand that it's got to be concrete. Well, a place to... to sit down would be a that would be start, cool. I think, for quality you know, of life improvement. Bathrooms that aren't like half portalettes, you know, that kind of stuff. That's that's usually helpful. Um, also, let's add water polo. I I think that is definitely a sport that Ohio State is uh, is missing, and I think there that, needs to be that's more surprising. Of it. That isn't in the rotation. Yeah, it should be. And you know what? I actually I was a POS athlete in uh in high school um water polo was something i actually got a recruitment letter for which is really funny because i'm a tall lanky guy and i was really good at swimming i was just really slow and i think somebody probably saw that and was like all right this guy can just he can, he can get kicked in the groin for an hour and, and it'll be fine. And he can, he can tread water during that entire time. So, and yet you don't want mirror Lake to come back. <laughs> you can't, I mean, again, it's, it's three feet deep. Um, okay. This is from Evan. <laughs> uh, way to work in more poo related content last week. Have you seen, I don't remember that. Have you seen the quarterback? I, I, you, you told that whole story about Buffalo chicken from a gas station oh, in right, Japan. I did. That's right, I did. Okay, that's right. You got, hey, man, you, listen, if you're, if you're going to – this is why I said your new brand is Johnny Dubs. There we go. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is – have you seen the quarterback show on Netflix? Do you agree that Kirk Cousins comes across as the Ned Flanders of the NFL? 
like at any moment he's going to say Oakley Doakley. Uh, if they did a college version of that show, past or present, uh, what player would you want to see featured? Uh, I mean, I want to see a guy. If it, I want to see a guy like Ryan Leaf or Rex Grossman or Byron Leftwich, like some one of the crazy dudes who just like had like ridiculous you know, arm strength and just went out there and said the hell with it. And, and just was like throwing bombs. Somebody from like the Gino Guadula, somebody from like the, the late nineties, early two thousands would be my thing. Um, Cam Newton even would, I think be a really great choice for that as well, because you want somebody insane on that kind of show. You don't, you don't want a Kirk Cousins type. I agree. Who was going to eat all the skills? Who was the, who was the, the candy yay? I'm not sure because I haven't seen this show. I was my right, imagination. No. I'm trying to remember the question because my imagination started running wild with that Kirk Cousins, Ned Flanders. Oh, comparison. Jamarcus Russell. How, how could I forget Jamarcus? Russell? Oh, yeah, there are like a million other things you could have referenced other than candy. I, know, I, yeah, I know. told you it was Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, one of those guys who just like could throw it, you know, 2000 feet in the air and like, I don't know. That's that's the kind of dude. Listen, I, like. I I always look very fondly upon him, much more than anyone else does, because I remember he absolutely like pants Notre Dame in the bowl game the last time Hell he played yeah, in good. college. So yeah, that was great. That was like the whole reason his stock ascended to the it level did, yeah. it did. Also, uh, my age. That's that that kind of freaks me out a little bit. He really? Exactly. Not exactly wow. my age. I'm six months older than him, but that's kind of weird to even think about. You're um, much more fiscally responsible. <laughs> that's that's probably true. Um, okay, you, you need yeah. You should buy his chain that had the that could be the Johnny Dubs chain with the number <laughs> two on it. I'm not that oh, cool. Oh, that'd, that'd be so good. Um. Okay. Tell you what. So this is from uh, this is from Ken, and he's got kind of a longer question. We'll get to that next week. This is from DC, and this is the last one they have for this week. He says, hey, guys, big fan of the show. First ask me, ask me anything question. Uh, anyway, one of my friends is getting married on Saturday, September 2nd at 5.30 p.m. That's a shame. As you may have already it's realized. oddly specific. Yeah, well, it's because it's during the opener. Must uh, be so, what it says on the invite. That's right. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> a little Ohio State logo. Sorry. Uh <laughs> Weddings during the first three weeks of the season aren't technically fall weddings, but since they take place, uh, but they do take place during football season, can I still wear my "Say No to Fall Weddings" shirt to this wedding? Uh, thank you for your thoughts. I don't know if your friend is cool with that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if his uh, his spouse is cool with that kind of thing. Uh, that would be hilariously petty, though, and I do encourage pettiness of all of all kinds. So I, I mean. If it's September, you're generally in fall. So I think that falls under that uh, that case. And also, you've got to, like, surreptitiously, like, not obviously, but actually obviously be watching the game on your phone the entire time. You absolutely need to be doing that. Like, just, so just going, in a way that, like, other people can see it and, like, other people can be interested, but also be mad that you're doing it, but also want to watch it at the same time, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm going to Chicago for a bachelor party next weekend. Okay. Or uh, this coming weekend, rather. And uh, the wedding is on the day Ohio State plays Notre Dame. Oh, God. Okay. And I 
It's it's in a it's at a ranch in Colorado. It's extremely <laughs> rural. I don't think I'm going to be able to watch the game while it happens. Probably not. Now if I go now if I go home now if I go to bed sad and lonely that night, I can at least watch the TiVo of the game. So that'll be very nice. Sure. Uh, but the my point in bringing that up is, um, I missed the Ohio State Notre Dame game for a wedding last year too. And the the funny part of it is, it was to watch two USC fans get married. So I I was in California, and this team that we both hate, that we would both love to watch get destroyed of in course, Notre yeah. Dame. Well, fortunately for me, that game ended up being a stinker, so I didn't really end up missing much. But right. I missed the opener that I would have liked to have seen. I was happy to watch my cousin get married. Um, but you know, these, these weddings, the weddings are just unavoidable. Uh, if this is a relationship that you truly do cherish and value, don't wear that shirt to this. But if this is, <laughs> if you're viewing this as a sort of swan song of the friendship, I was going to say, if this is like, you know, your, your, your protest that you're like, I'm burning this down. Yeah. yeah instead of, you know, being one of those people when speaking that when they say speak now and forever, hold your peace or instead of doing that, you just, yeah, you just right, stand up and you're like tear off your button up and then underneath you're like, that's right. Mine. That's right. But if the so if the if the relationship is the on its way is like, out, do you have any actual commentary on the on the uh, on the people getting married? Like, no, I'm just mad I'm here. And then the, you know, no, I'm I'm making a statement. That's right. This, this wedding is about me. That's right. Exactly. That's what people really love is when wedding guests make the entire event about themselves. That's why um, they sell this shirt. That's right. Uh, okay, so that was Ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending those. We're going to get some quick hitters on the way out here. First of all, uh, Ohio State got some commits. So four-star Missouri wide receiver Jeremiah McClellan has committed to Ohio State, adding to an already just ridiculously stacked uh, class. I mean, not just in terms of, like, wide receivers, although there are some incredibly good wide receivers. They have three dudes now in the top 20, which is kind of mind-blowing. Um but top to bottom, this is just an unbelievable class. Uh, so that's cool. And then uh, in-state, Colin White, uh, forward for basketball, is has committed to Ohio State, six foot six, uh, shooting guard. There's there's a lot there to, or excuse me, not shooting guard. What am I saying? Goodness gracious, um, uh, forward, right? Strong forward. He's he's gonna he's gonna be doing some interesting stuff there. Hopefully, with the offense developing a little bit. Um, How so did you describe his player picture, Johnny, when we were talking? <laughs> the playing picture. picture that we have there looks like he's a guy flinching because he's about to get hit. He's going, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> he doesn't seem that way in the highlights. In the highlights, he definitely seems like a dog. Dude is making his own shot. He's got a great release. Um, I'm excited to see what that guy does with the team. <laughs> We've got one. There's one here on the article that we have uh, where he dropped like 30 in a game and he's like screaming at midcourt, <laughs> like he's powering up, like he's going Super Saiyan. Uh, looks really great. I enjoy that Love picture it. quite a bit. So if he brings that kind of energy to the team, definitely big time appreciated. I'm excited to see that. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I really think that the news of the next week is going to be, uh, you know, quarterback information that we will start to see kind of trickle out of camp um, the next week or two, because it definitely, to me, it sounds like 
uh, Ryan Day and company have kind of figured out, you know, what they want and what they're going to get. So unless something drastically changes relatively soon, I think they're, they're kind of, you know, they're going to ride with uh, Kyle McCord. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I could be completely wrong. This is just, you know, me with hunches, but I think that's what's going to look like here. soon. I think Derek McCord is going to be grinning like a clown very soon, <laughs> which is fine, which is fair. I mean, I would, I would too. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, he's been waiting two seasons for this. Yeah. So there you go. Um, okay, so that's the Dubcast for this week. Keep sending in those questions. We'll keep answering them. I did get a response, Dan. I promise we're going to get back to you next week. I got it. I got the info for you. So tune in next week for the answer to your incredible question. And tune in next week if you want to find out what that question is. Uh, <laughs> uh, but until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next time. Take care.